Welcome to the Changing Construction podcast brought to you by Mail Manager, the email management solution developed by Arup. It's Chris here from Mail Manager, and I'm joined today by Amanda Mackay, a major projects quality director at Balfour Beatty and one of the few trans people who is a senior leader within the construction sector. We're going to be discussing the importance of diversity in the construction industry today. And I think given everything that's happening around the world right now, it's particularly relevant. But Amanda, firstly, thanks for coming on the show. No, thank you for asking. Thank you for asking. No problem. And uh, well, I guess let's start with perhaps you could introduce yourself and tell everyone listening a bit about your journey to to now. Okay. So Amanda Mackay, I'm a trans woman. I live up in Glasgow, which is, uh, I have to say, one of the most diverse places I've ever lived in my life. Um, I My journey started at the age of 49, although it probably has been around in my life since the age of seven so I knew sort of about the age of seven that it was slightly different and I really couldn't understand it in those days it really wasn't until the rise of the internet in the 90s that you could actually search for information on these things so I've had a, a suffer from what's called gender dysphoria which is the, the the medical term which many members of the trans community suffer from it's about that feeling of not being born in the right body and that's affected me throughout my life. I've found ways of coping with it, particularly in being, you know, one of the busiest people in the world. If you're busy, you don't, it goes to the back of the mind. And at the age of 49, I realized I really couldn't do that anymore. It was becoming more difficult and causing a lot of anxiety and depression. Mm. So I decided to start my, my journey. I've always worked in construction and engineering. Um, built up to some quite senior roles. Um, I transitioned whilst working for one of the major utility companies. I worked in their major projects business as head of quality. Uh, We used to spend about £7 billion a year building assets from offshore wind farms to hydroelectric schemes and power lines. Coming out in that sector was, I thought, would be incredibly difficult. I have to say, diversity, equality have come a long way since my first entry into construction, which was not a place for people who were women or who were members of the LGBT community and certainly wasn't a great place to work if you were from an ethnic minority. Today, I would say that's considerably changed. So my my journey, I came out at 49. I transitioned at that point. I continued with my job with um, SSE and was then offered the opportunity to move to Balfour Beatty, gave me the off- the opportunity to move back into the nuclear construction sector, which is a, an area that I really love. And uh, I've been with Balfour Beatty the last five years. Thank you very much for that. So uh, the diversity challenge, I guess, has been has been rearing its head in the industry mm. for, for years now. And you, you alluded to sort of the positive changes in recent years. But how would you actually summarise the current state of, of diversity and inclusion in the construction industry? I think the industry has certainly grasped it and recognised that it needed to do something. The key driver for that was probably, well, the two aspects. One was clients. So many of our clients, particularly big clients, are government sector bodies who have a public sector equality duties. So they have to you know, make sure they're employing a, a supply chain that has the same values that they do, and particularly around equality and diversity. The other is the skill shortage. You know, we are desperately short of people within the construction sector and we need to encourage more people to work in this sector. If the industry continued with the image that it has, and sometimes it was an image rather than reality, if it continued with that image of being a white male dominated environment and particularly where 
people who are different and I, by that I mean not just LGBT and BAME and ability but uh, women as well uh, were not able to progress it wasn't seen as a, a, a good career choice now it has to be you know it, people will not join this industry if they can't succeed in it so it is a lot better I don't think it's got to where it needs to be I think there's a lot of things around, I won't say tokenistic, because that's not quite true, but a lot of organizations believe they've done a lot more than they actually have. You know, you, you, uh, a nice little quote you said to me, actually, when, yeah. when we first spoke was, yes. um, there's lots of good intention, but also a lot of corporate rhetoric. And if you dig an, yes. uh, deep enough, there's little sub- substance, which I, I particularly liked. Yes, that's very, very true. Um, I see that in not just, you know, um, my own organization are very good. We've done a lot of work. I think they would recognize they've still got a lot more work to do. Some of our client organizations, in fact, some of them are very big client organizations, are absolutely appalling. One of the organizations I can think of, when I first joined Balfour Beatty, I spent a lot of time on projects, nuclear portfolio, and I had somebody approach me from one of the clients and said, I didn't know you worked here. We've not had any trans people in the organization. When did you come out and who supported you? Mm-hmm. You know, which HR? I said, well, I don't work for your organization. I work for Balfour Beatty. Mm-hmm. And they were astounded because there'd been never been any trans people on that site wow. until I cropped up. And yeah. there's 20,000 people work on that site. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's crazy, isn't it? Yeah, and it sparked a real step change that if the supply chain are more diverse than we are, we need to change. Yeah. So it has had a positive impact on them. But I think there's there's a lot of things which, organi- you know, you can go to, well, you can't at the moment, but you used to be able to go to a, a, an awards event for D&I practically every night of the week. There were thousands of them. And I think people see winning awards and having the odd role model as being successful in dni and it, it's not it needs to touch every point of an organization and so no matter who you are in an organization you have to feel comfortable and safe to do your job and to be able to be your authentic self yeah. and when an organization achieves that then they've actually achieved you know they, they've embedded inclusivity across their organization absolutely yes um well if we're talking then about making the mm. construction industry a, an inclusive place for everyone um, based on performance and ability, mm. how, how would you say that the best way to attract talent to the industry is and then keep them as well? You, you've, first of all, you've got to show them that they can succeed and that it's a place that they want to work. We're very, very good at attracting graduates and trainees and apprentices. Um, I think a lot of companies struggle with retention around that because they, you know, they don't necessarily see that progression beyond that. We are quite conservative as a sector, so we're very focused around qualifications, obviously, and around expertise. We sometimes believe that everybody has to work 70 hours a week to succeed in the industry, so there are lots of things that you've, which COVID has changed, uh, yeah. one of which is around flexibility. And that ability to have a flexible workforce will attract more people because a lot of people, particularly good people, like to have a life outside of work. They're very passionate about the work that they do and very professional about it, but they also don't expect to have to work 70 hours a week. You know, my generation were brought up working 70 hours a week as a minimum. You know, that, that was life, seven days a week, 
10 hours a day was the norm in some of the sectors I've worked in. That's not the case today. Uh, and that's an unhealthy way of doing it. So I think we've got to present ourselves better. We have to have real, not just policies and processes. I'm not a big fan of policies and processes around DNI. We've got to demonstrate that we really do believe it. And that comes through having real role models who've lived those uh, that experience in an organization. Being able to see people of color, LGBT and women at senior roles within an organization that says it's not just the odd one or two as tokenism is actually real. These people have the capability and the experience to get to the top of an organization. There aren't that many women, female CEOs in construction. I can only think of one or two. Um, there may be more than that, but I can only think of one or two that stood out to me. And they have a hard time, more so than their male counterparts. Yeah, well, I was, I was gonna, just going to uh, build on that. What do you think is the most prominent thing on the diversity agenda at the moment? Because I would assume it is probably getting more women into leadership roles. But how, how do you feel yeah. that, uh, yes. about that from a, from a trans point of view? Yeah, uh, for me, I mean, that, I see that within my own organisation. It's very much about getting more women into construction and into away from what we would call the back office functions. So HR, communications, those sort of inter-frontline, inter-real project managers, project directors, engineers, frontline roles. That's a very strong drive. And I think that's a strong drive in a lot of organisations. So People of colour, um, the BAME community, um, LGBT+, plus, tend to be sidelines. I think the LGBT community has a much stronger industry-wide presence through all the different uh, groups. And, you know, I'm, a, I'm on the exec of building equality. Um, you know, we're a, an industry-wide group. We, we've lobbied for all manner of change. There are many others allied to the construction sector. I don't see that within other than the women in construction and women in engineering um, groups. I think it's a disproportionate push on gender. It should be a greater push on everybody based on ability. Being different shouldn't be a barrier to progression. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I guess, obviously, we're having this conversation. Yeah. So both of us are pro-diversity. But yes. to any business leaders listening, um, you mentioned there about sort of like a wider uh, discussion about all diversity, but yes. what, what is the business case for good diversity and what would you say the best practice tips are for implementing like, such initiatives? Okay. So I think the business case is as a proven link between diverse boards and diverse organizations are more innovative and seem to uh, generate more profits. They certainly seem to make better decisions if you have a more diverse uh, group of people. So that diversity of thought is very important in any business. And then the current climate and the potential for a a long period of recession, you need that diversity of thought and the ability to make good decisions with a wide variety of people being involved in that decision-making process. So the business case is around innovation, diversity of thought, better decision-making, and diverse boards seem to make uh, better decisions for their organization, produce better profit. In terms of tips for putting that into place, I think it has to be around an sort of led from the top. You've really got to buy into it. My own organization have done a number of things to increase the board's awareness 
you know, most of our board are white middle-class men of a certain age. They recognized they needed to understand their workforce better. Doing things like reverse mentoring, you know, that has a very powerful effect on people. So they're actually speaking to people uh, who have a, a lived experience that they, they will never have. Yeah. Well, do you, but, do you maybe want to elaborate on what reverse yeah. mentoring actually so, is then? Uh, reverse mentoring is where you get your senior leaders, they become the mentees, the people learning, and you have people from your organization at different levels, from different backgrounds and diverse characteristics, who will talk to the senior leaders about their lived experience, what it's like to be a person of color working in construction, what it's like to be LGBT or a young woman uh, coming into the industry. That's hopefully transfers some of the learning and the empathy of what it's like to be different away from the norm which you know has probably pervaded in their you know their lifetime in construction has been mostly a male dominated environment and management has certainly been dare I say male pale and stale it's about them being able to understand that better and if they understand it they will have a greater empathy when it comes to change and delivering that diverse workplace yeah no absolutely i, I totally agree mm-hmm. and i guess networking groups as well also plays quite a big part of that and i know that in balfour beta i believe that there are various networking groups um, but how, how do you think that also translates across the industry so not um, just in the individual company i think a lot of organizations do have some form of affinity networks i don't think it's universal and i know of a few major contractors that don't have them at all now we have four within the organization covering gender, BAME, LGBT plus and ability. One of the values of having the networks is not necessarily that we have four, but we actually collaborate. So the value that we all see is in intersectionality. So we all work together. Much of the frustration sometimes of our DNI leads in the organization because there's there's more clout when there's four four organizations working together than there is individually. But essentially, we're all after the same things. You know, we may have a different diverse strand or a level of difference, but we're all actually looking for the same things yeah. from our organization. And what they do, they give a, a voice to that difference within the organization, but they also allow people to seek advice and to actually work together. One of the reasons I came to Balfour is I found that they actually had an LGBT network. My previous employer didn't have one. And it was a big driver for me to know that there was actually a network and there were other members of the LGBT community, in particular other trans people working for the organization. You'll see on many of our peer organizations recruitment sites, they will talk about their affinity networks. It's a great way to attract people. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it sounds like Balfour BTS is certainly making really positive steps there. Mm. But do you think there's a a big difference between sort of bigger companies like Balfour BT and smaller companies where maybe you wouldn't have a HR department or there wouldn't be you know enough people to have various networking groups? So how would you assess the differences between the size of companies? Yeah, I mean, part of my role, I get to look at the supply chain quite often. Yeah. And many of these smaller companies sit within our supply chain. They do struggle because they don't have the resources, as you say, that, that we do as a larger company. You know, Some of them will struggle just to have HR and resourcing. I think a lot of them recognize the value of diversity. 
and I've seen some small companies who wouldn't necessarily describe it as having diversity and inclusion, but the values that that organization have are right. You know, they, they just, they, they celebrate difference. They, some of the managing directors and CEOs of these organizations know all the people. And so they're a lot closer to the front line than maybe, you know, large organizations are. So some of them do really, really well. Some of them within our own supply chain have reached out to us to help them. So we mm. recently had one part of our supply chain reaching out because they just interviewed a trans person who was a steel fixer and they really didn't know what to do. You know, that person was very competent, had great credentials and they wanted to employ them, but they really didn't know what effect that would have on their business. You know, how do they deal with simple things like toilets and other things? So as an organization, we, we allow them to reach out to us. We, you know, our, our affinity network is open to our supply chain as well as to our own people. So we're more than willing to help. And I think that's something that all of the tier one contractors should be doing. Yeah. should be reaching down into the supply chain and saying, all right, if you haven't got those resources, we have, um, you know, come and participate with us. Yeah, well, I think that's amazing, to be honest, because I think mm. the more that you can collaborate with, with other companies on, on issues like that, the yeah. better the change will be widespread across the whole industry. It will. And I think that the key thing for us is that, you know, we want our supply chain to be a reflection of our own values, you know, and, and if they've got better values than us, we'll, we'll happily still with pride. Yeah. You know, I think that's the important thing. It's about us all working together to have that, that great experience in the construction sector and none of us will succeed if we you know if we turn off the workforce or a That's proportion it. of it well you mentioned earlier the covid word it seems that you can't yeah. go anywhere these days yeah. without hearing the word covid no um, but how would you assess the impact covid has had on diversity and well-being i think it's it's been really difficult for the simple reason that many people are now quite isolated you know, the way that we're communicating today over a computer has become the norm. I had the opportunity a couple of days ago to physically go into the, our office in Glasgow to pick up some bits of kit and to actually speak face to face with the person was, was great. You know, the pair of us didn't stop talking for an hour. Yeah. The simple reason that we hadn't had that interaction, that physical interaction with somebody for a long, long time. I think it's had a great, uh, a significant impact on mental health. And I know within my own team, uh, you know, I, I regularly keep in touch with them. So every couple of days we're having a call, we're having a team's call twice a week, just to chat. I'm running a virtual pub with a few friends. You know, that's a Friday night thing. We'll sit and stare at the screen and we'll all be on teams and having a drink and discussing everything but work. In terms of diversity, I do think the agenda has slipped. You know, we're in survival mode in many organizations now, and they don't always see diversity and inclusion as being part of that survival mode. Mm. It's all about, you know, where's the money coming from? How do we deal with the people? There's been a number of initiatives recently from the Construction Leadership Council about, you know, how do we move on from COVID? And they omitted the, the whole DNI agenda, which I think is so important. You know, we won't be going back to work in the same way, I don't think, ever. You know, they, what we do on the site is, is one thing, but how many of our office-based people will go back into the office? The new well, normal. Work, work has changed. Yeah. Yes. The, the face of work is going to be just totally different moving forward, isn't it? Yeah. 
and say, we're going to have to cope with people who are working in an isolated environment. Now, as lockdown reduces, we'll have that ability to, to meet face-to-face and to travel around. But I think from a company perspective, flexible working and working from home is here to stay. We're just as productive now as we were. It's then, how do you get, uh, how does DNI work in that remote environment? I think that's something that we've not worked out yet. Oh, particularly while times are tough as well. I think uh, yes. there's, there's a certain feeling that things like well-being and diversity are often overlooked. Um, as you said, when the discussion is basically all about survival and profit margins. But yeah. uh, what would you say to that? And, and how can companies sort of make sure that they don't let those things slip? I think the, the reason that we, we do a lot of this stuff is to be a great place to work and to attract the right talent. I think that still applies. Mm. You know, we need to attract the right talent to be the best organization and to, you know, to win more work. If we haven't got the right people, we will not win work. Being said, you know, we, we need to find a different way of engaging with our employees when they're remote. You know, we, Balfour BT, we've done a lot of webinars, a lot of training, a lot of team stuff. As lockdown reduces, we need to have a blended approach. Mm. So people are getting that face-to-face interaction. But more importantly, we're demonstrating that we care about our people and uh, about difference, whether they work at home, whether they work in the office, whether they're on site. We just need to be more creative on how we do it. With construction being seen as, as an opportunity to build out of the recession, that yes. is vital that those initiatives mm. succeed and progress and the industry is attracting talent and, and mm. a nice place to work. Yes. I mean, there, there are many big projects which have actually started despite coronavirus. Yeah. So things like the Highways Programme, Highways England have started more projects since March than they have done in two years because it's easy to get onto the roads. You know, Network <laughs> Rail have started construction projects. HS2 has kicked off. I think we'll possibly see a change in the way that we construct away from big office buildings to more residential. There's a lot of things that we do now which will be different going forward yeah. and will require that diversity of thought, which only comes from having a diverse workforce. Okay, so if we, if we finish with the looking mm. forward trend then, how do you think things will look in, say, three to five years from now in terms of diversity and particularly trans as well? From a trans perspective, as you possibly read in the news, there's been a little bit of a fuss recently about the government's view. Where that goes does frighten me. That's a rollback of fundamental rights. It's not just not progressing trans rights with a change to the Gender Recognition Act, but it's actually a rolling back of things which are fundamental. Uh, ridiculous things like the use of toilets. You know, all of this stuff is, at the moment, just taken as 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 read it's uh, by legislating it could have a real impact on the trans community my fear with brexit and other things is that we might see other rights rolled back which would have a fundamental effect upon diversity and inclusion in the workplace now many companies recognize it's the right thing to do and i think a lot of companies wholly support the people within their organization who are different who have protected characteristics if government chooses to change things then that's a different matter. It means you don't have to recruit people. The recent upholding in the United States that you cannot be sacked for being LGBT by the federal government. You know, fundamentals like that around equality and diversity 
from the government perspective, I think we're in difficult times, if I have to say. I think the industry wants to progress. The industry wants to be a great place to work. If society changes, then maybe it doesn't have to. Because sometimes, you know, the driver for diversity should never be financial and should never be about looking better than your peers because you employ a trans person in a director's role. I cringe sometimes when I see that in bids. That's that's not why I'm here. I'm here because I'm good at what I do. I you know have a better grasp of quality within the highly regulated and nuclear sectors than many of my peers. That should be why I'm here, not because I'm trans. And I'd like to think that companies recruit talent regardless of their protected characteristics, for want of a better term. You know, we all want to have the best workforce. And if we have the best workforce, we'll deliver the best jobs, the best profit and everything else. Society, though, I, I do think there are things that within society at the moment which are uncertain. You know, yeah. I, w- I went to an event in Glasgow at the weekend to find that the centre of Glasgow had a, a rather nasty uh, demonstration. You know, that's not something I've seen in Glasgow for a long time. I was a, a special constable for 22 years. I policed many riots and big events <laughs> around the country. It's a little different as a as a woman walking, you know, just going for a walk in the city centre to yeah. come across something like that. And to know that the, it wasn't about the usual things, which normally in Glasgow it's football, it was about race and diversity. You know, it's not nice seeing things like that. You know, I, I can well the similar similar yeah. scenes in in London, to be honest. Yes. Um, yeah. But yeah, like change is on the horizon. You know, positive change. Um, yeah. uh, I guess the last question I've got for you then would mm. be, um, what advice would you give to anyone who is listening to this who may be in a similar position to to you were? Yeah. Um, or, you know, any advice of, of coming into the construction industry, what, what right. would you say to them? I, I, w- I would say that construction is a great place to work. I've worked in and around this industry for the last 35 years. So most of my working, uh, working life. Its image has not always been good, but its intentions as an, org- as, a, as an industry have changed dramatically. They are after the best and the brightest people you will find that the prejudices that people think are there probably aren't. So it's about being your authentic self at work. I found when I came out and transitioned, my confidence, my ability changed dramatically because I was being myself. I wasn't hiding anything. And it's not a great feeling having to hide your real self. You know, I, I work with people who still do hide their real self at work because they're frightened that either family or friends or society will judge them differently. You know, I judge them on their, how they treat me and how good they are at work, you know, how capable they are. And I think it's, you know, moving forward, I do think the industry will change, you know, change dramatically, not just from the, you know, we see the seeds of it now, give it another couple of years. We will be desperate for work for you know, bright young people to work in this industry, particularly with Brexit taking away some of the the labour force that we take for granted. So it will be a great place to work. And organisations like Building Equality, who I work with, and uh, many of the other sort of diversity-based groups are actually lobbying to make change, to make real change. You know, our aim is to do away with ourselves. So we're no longer needed. 
you know and i don't yet see a day when that will come but i do hope it will i'd love not to be an activist and have to campaign because i'd love to go and as you probably see behind me i like making model aircraft and model tanks <laughs> you know i'd love to spend my time doing other things and enjoying my hobbies but at the moment i feel i need to support my community and you know push for change well it, it sounds like you know steps are being taken to move forward and mm. i think that's a nice positive bit of advice for for anyone listening yeah. to finish on so amanda i just want to thank you very much for coming on the show and thank you for your time and i hope no everyone listening has found that really interesting because i certainly did Great. Thank you very much. Great stuff. Thanks, Amanda. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye.